Well, welcome everybody to episode three of On the Grid with MPS. Uh, today, I am excited to uh, introduce our executive vice president of hardware solutions to help us kick off our series of uh, plant podcasts, where each week we'll be focusing on a different plant uh, and looking into the unique workings of each of these facilities within the power footprint. So without further ado, I welcome Dan Cavanaugh. Dan, welcome. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. Awesome. Just give me a little bit of background about yourself, where you uh, came from as far as uh, work goes. How did you get here? Uh, yeah, my entire career, which is 30 plus years, um, been on the automotive side of uh, the business. I spent uh, 23 years with Dana Corporation, and then I stayed in the Detroit market for the majority of my career. Even I uh, came to McLean Fogg uh, nine years ago on the automotive side and the Metform business, making hot forged uh, blanks for transmission gears and things. So um, we were very successful in that endeavor. And uh, I was asked to move on to the power side, which that was, was really interesting. And I, I have to say, this is my third year on the power side. It's just absolutely a fascinating business, just the sheer amount of parts that we make to service our customers. And, you know, when you get into the power side, you immediately uh, are at a, a higher risk uh, driver in your personal life because you're constantly looking at the power lines and just seeing <laughs> just the sheer amount of brackets and insulators and and anchors and uh, guys uh, wires. And everything. It's just absolutely amazing. So uh, I'm very excited to be on this side of the business and uh, learning more and more about the power business. Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer by, by education and got my MBA um, once I started my working life, but just been fascinated with the operation side. And and uh, actually, ironically, you know, the Toyota experience is what really shaped and formed my career and uh, and how I approach operations. And some of the things we'll be talking about is um, is really the uh, the direction that we're going as a as a company to 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 really. Um, apply these principles and really lean out and improve the efficiency and throughput in servicing our customers. Yeah, that's awesome. So just for uh, for those who are not maybe so familiar with the uh, Toyota Lean Production System, um, can you can you give us just a few bullet points of the history of that? I mean, if you think about the history of Toyota, you know, post-World War II in Japan, um, they really didn't have the assets um, and the capital to invest in, in several different production lines. So they really came up with how do I do multiple engines down the same line, for example. And so quick changeovers and one-piece flow and some of those principles are what's developed on that. The the one-piece flow in the, in, the, in the production line was actually invented by Henry Ford. And, and the Japanese really uh, studied that along with um, uh, supermarket models of replenishment and things like that. And that kind of forms the whole um, background of it. So it's it's just in time, only make what you need when you need it. Um, in the quantity uh, that you need it, no more, no less. So it's you're constantly striving for improvements uh, in in uh, efficiency in terms of even the the movements of the operator and uh, mm -hmm. and how we produce the same parts in a standard way. If you do the same thing the same way every time, you'll get the same result. Um, that doesn't mean that's the ultimate, but that's that's when you can see the waste. So it's the identification and total elimination of waste. And expecting different is the definition of insanity. I That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's <laughs> um, so a lot of our customers also they're, they're starting to learn more and more uh, about McLean, but they don't realize in general 
uh, give or take any given year, about 50% of our business is in the automotive side. Could you just briefly kind of explain, you know, what we do on the automotive side as far as products made? Yeah, um, a large part of our business on the automotive side is in the fastener, uh, especially wheel fasteners. Um, uh, We we literally produce billions of pieces a year, uh, or over a billion, I should say. I don't know if it's billions, but um, very high volume uh, fastener side of the business. And the other side is on uh, uh, forging forged blanks, uh, both hot form, cold form, and even screw machine blanks for uh, mainly transmission gears and other components of the vehicle where we do the, uh, the forging, heat treat, green machining, and uh, provide it to uh, uh, our customers that do the final um, gears, uh, gear cutting and things like that. Um, we also have a, a, a EPC as our, our plastics group, and they're just absolutely uh, extremely in- innovative uh, company where they, they look for opportunities to um, to supply parts. Maybe they might be traditionally in metal uh, into a plastic component. And uh, they've done a fantastic job growing their business with all kinds of ideas on we could do that in plastic. And um, the difference, I think, on the automotive side is when you're dealing with an automotive uh, OEM customer, uh, the demands are pretty steady. You know, it's based on their so their uh, production lines and the speed of their production lines. Um, so you you pretty much know what your demand is and what you have to make every day. So that allows you to get very good at what you're doing. When you step onto the power side of the business, the <laughs> demand is it, it's not level. Um, there's an incredible amount of uh, of SKUs, literally thousands of SKUs that you're trying to produce, and many of them are very close to each other. Um, and so when we when we're when we talk about where we're going in power, is trying to consolidate that. Um, that business kind of um, look at it from an 80-20 standpoint and kind of level that, that that demand schedule so that we always have the product that our customers need and that's based on the, on the things that they're buying. So if, you know, if 80% of our revenue is based on 20% of our parts, those are the parts we, we really have to get really, really good at. And so make sure that when a customer wants it, it's there and we're, we're constantly replenishing it. So that's how the kind of the Toyota uh, system meets the, on the power side of the of the business. That's great. That's a great segue there. Um, so yeah, forecast is the uh, is the other dirty F word in our industry. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so right now, currently, we have uh, four in general four um, since we combined two facilities or in the process of combining two facilities. We really have four major manufacturing hubs, and uh, all of them are located pretty much in the southeast. Trenton is one of our largest plants in the NPS family. Can you just give us kind of a rundown on Trenton and what they make there? Yeah, so Trenton, Tennessee is our is the largest plant in the NPS family. It's a it's a little over three hundred thousand square feet and uh, close to five hundred uh, people in that facility. So this came out of the original McLean Franklin Park location uh, somewhere around ten eleven years ago when we relocated down here in Tennessee and. Uh, um, it's a thriving business, and they basically there's there's basically three pro, three main product lines that come out of Trenton. Um, the first one is the uh, pole line hardware, and uh, this is kind of the largest product line in the McLean Power Basket. Like I said, when you're looking at uh, poles, you start seeing the breadth of uh, pole line hardware. Which, excuse me, when we say pole line hardware, we're talking about bolts, machine bolts, eye bolts, cross arm pins, brackets. Um, uh, pole bands, just an incredible array of, of products that we make in a facility. One of the key, I, I'd say, new developments in the pole line hardware is in corrosion resistance. 
Um, we've introduced um, a TDG coating or a, a thermal diffused galve coating, as well as some other polymer coatings to kind of protect the steel from harsh environments. Um, you know, as we're as we're seeing a lot of pole line hardening out in uh, uh, against storms and things like that, but also you know coastal environments and things that uh, traditionally rely on stainless steel. These types of uh, these types of corrosion resistant uh, features to our product uh, helps the customer achieve uh, the corrosion uh, uh, resistant goals without the, you know and maybe offsetting the cost of a stainless steel application. The second product line in trend is is anchors. Um, you know, very important in the civil market, and we're seeing a lot of growth on the utility side as well. Uh, we've just recently introduced what we call our Excalibur high-capacity pile line. Um, these are designed for uh, transmission line projects and larger, so anything over four and a half inches in diameter, um, almost, uh, you know, unlimited in terms of where we can go with that. But um, uh, it's a very exciting uh, extension to our to our anchor product line. The connectors, you know, automatic splices. This is... Uh, this is our, one of our top storm items. You know, when lines are down um, and lines get cut from trees falling on them and things, the automatic splices are a product that can uh, um, get, get power back uh, to people re really quickly. And again, as, as you're driving down the street and you start looking up, you'll start seeing these splices more and more. Um, but we, we have our automatic splice line. That's, and this is actually the product line that started McLean Power almost 35 years ago. Um, when, and again, it, in the same theme of corrosion resistance, we've got our new CRS series of splices. It's got a patented uh, visual indicator that gives you a visual feedback to the lineman that he's properly installed the splice. When you think about it and you're a lineman up in the air and you're trying to uh, bring two wires together and you're inserting one on each end of the splice, being able to have a, a pop-out indicator that you've made the connection is highly valuable. Um, in that situation, you're you're in the air kind of precariously to begin with, and having knowing that it's you've got the right connection and it's not going to be coming apart um, is, is key to that. So the CRS uh, stands for a corrosion resistance splice. It's, it's uh, one of our uh, highest volume products that we make. Those are the three product lines: pole line hardware anchors and connectors that make up most of, of Trenton. We've been putting a lot of investment into improving the machinery and the flow of products. We also, um, we located one of our suppliers, our, our gal supplier right across the street from us, which gives us a much, much greater turnaround um, in speed and in term, especially in, in when it's storm time, product uh, needs to move and it needs to move quickly. One question that comes across uh, our emails quite often has to do with uh, supply chain and capacity. Could you explain just a little bit um, how 80-20 relates to our capacity in particular and uh, maybe how the removing of uh, certain parts and focusing on other parts helps uh, increase the production, the throughput, the flow? Yeah, so like I mentioned, I mean, there's literally thousands of uh, SKUs uh, or part numbers that have uh, proliferated over the years. Maybe a customer uh, wants a certain uh, uh, change in the length of the product for their operations things, but you end up with a lot of products that are same as except and, and they're almost they're almost fractionally uh, different. So the complexity that that introduces to your manufacturing and ability to supply that product um, becomes almost it's it's not impossible, but it, it unnecessarily complex. Like you said, forecasting is it was a big thing when I joined Power about you know we need forecasting models and mathematical simulations and everything. But you really don't uh, when you if because if you look at it and you do eighty twenty. So if you see you know. Uh, draw a line, but uh, what's selling and 80% of your revenue, it's roughly 20% of your 
of your products. Probably 80% of your revenue is coming from 20% of your customers. Um, so what we strive to do is on those, what we call our A products that make up that 80% of your revenue is those are the products that are uh, produced on, in a levels way. And, and those are the ones that we're going to be stocking. And uh, they're, they're turning quite a bit of inventory turns for us and they're available for, to the customers. And, and the B products, uh, call it the uh, lower volume products. And uh, we look to consolidate those products into A's, which just significantly um, reduces the complexity of our manufacturing facilities. Uh, but it also ensures that the product is there for the customers when they need it. it. It just drives out the complexity in the business overall and makes us a better supplier to our customers. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of people fail to realize how much time goes into uh, changing over one machine to run one part versus another. One way to increase your uh, your capacity is uh, by focusing more on your uh, the uh, 20% that brings in the 80. The other part, the other way is to invest uh, within the uh, plant itself. We have some pretty neat uh, robotic uh, forging cells in in Trenton. There, can you speak to some of the automation decisions that have been made? over the last couple of years and, and uh, what we intend to do in the future there? Sure. Yeah, and our Trenton facility and our forging cells, we're, you know, um, McLean Powers is uh, continuing to invest in the automation. Uh, we're all not only forging, but also welding and even the manufacturing of connectors and stuff. So just, um, you know, rather than just uh, replacing a piece of equipment with another same piece of equipment is, is really investing in the technology um, and the and the automation where it makes sense to do so. So why why did we do that? What's the decision that's driving it? One is is actually the valuing our employees. So the work that we do and in, in, when you if you saw the forging and welding, it's hard. Um, you're asking people to uh, move literally tons of steel by hand um, every shift. So this allows us to um, to kind of um, to redeploy personnel to other needed areas of the plant. It also allows us to make more product with the same amount of, uh, of personnel. So it enhances uh, the experience and takes away from the, uh, uh, call it the, 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 the highly manual and, uh, and hard work that uh, we've asked people to do over the years. Yeah, we've definitely um, had some issues in the labor market lately. So um, sure. you do what you got to do. Uh, some of the other investments that uh, we're currently working on are at our Alabama facilities. Um, and I say facilities, plural, because there are two buildings that uh, have uh, are slowly becoming one. Um, can you walk us through uh, what's going on there currently and the uh, anticipated uh, final state for that, or at least for now, the final state? Sure. So, um, as you mentioned, we're consolidating our two Alabama plants into one location in Alabaster uh, by adding a hundred thousand, roughly hundred thousand square foot addition to our current Alabaster location. And uh, we're gonna be uh, uh, closing down our Pelham facility. Uh, in Alabaster, we've invested in additional aluminum foundry capacity that increases our capacity for uh, aluminum castings by 50% and greatly improved our molding technology and the quality of the product. So like I mentioned with Trenton and automation is uh, it's very similar. So very much uh, state-of-the-art um, uh, molding line that uh, we've put in place there. Um, and we've also now added in an additional uh, continuous uh, flow furnace um, that almost is about two and a half times the capacity um, of our of our 
previous batch furnaces. Um, so, you know, this was, uh, you know, we had closed down our old uh, uh, foundry in, in, in Pelham when we consolidated into Alabaster and put the new technology in. We're even uh, now, now looking at a third uh, foundry line to go in there as we've we pretty much uh, sold all the capacity of the new uh, the, the new facility that what I just talked about. Uh, we are calling this our foundry of the future uh, in Alabaster. We're <laughs> progressing uh, and uh, creating a state-of-the-art foundry and assembly facility. So why do we do this? You know, by combining the two locations, uh, significantly improve the flow of the product from foundry uh, through the shipping to better it better serves our customer, increase our capacity, and allows us to further grow with our customers. So it fits ideally with 8020 um, by having the product available. So because the demand and in, in the power side of the business is not level, if you think about it, you know, if you're producing your A products on a level schedule, um, even if even if the demand is higher than uh, what you have planned stocking levels, you're constantly producing that product in a, in a level way continuously, so it's always coming. Sure. Um, pr prior to the eighty twenty, you know, you were you were at the mercy of uh, kind of, I, we like to call it feast or famine, right? We had a lot of material and we overran it. It's gone. It's now storm time, and you're sixteen weeks away from getting material. So this absolutely levels the flow, and uh, the the customer service is dramatically improved. Um, so I know one of the reasons why we consolidated to the Alabaster location was because of the land there. We were able to expand. Uh, one of our other facilities, uh, Newberry, that makes cross arms, has been just exploding uh, with business over the last two years. Uh, could you talk to a little bit about what we've done there and maybe some future plans um, to, to keep up with the demand there? Sure. Yeah, and Newberry uh, is interesting case in, uh, you know, a large part of their business mix has gone from uh, you know protruded fiberglass rod to the protruded uh, cross arms. Um, obviously, uh, the shift in the in the industry is away from wooden cross arms. Um, so the the fiberglass protruded arms are a huge um, opportunity for us. Uh, but it's it, it's also interesting because when I talk about Newberry, um, there's the the technology play with the the protrusion machines. I'll talk about in a second. But it's also about uh, people and process. So. Um, Newberry has really evolved and adopted many of the automotive-based processes. Um, so um, the automotive, for the most part, is very rigorous in terms of quality requirements, um, PPAP requirements, you know, when you're when launching new products and things, very stringent. So it's a great application as, as we get closer to um, uh, reducing the complexity and getting having to rely on our processes and the quality of the process. These automotive-based processes, like retraining all personnel on basic manufacturing quality principles. We did a massive 5S effort to streamline the shop. Production scheduling lined up to 8020. Um, we focus on uh, what we call our SPQDC, safety, people, quality, delivery, cost, in that order. We got those boards and key production areas, enhancing visual management, team engagement, and attaining our daily production goals. We've done several layout changes. You know, the uh, the Newberry uh, footprint was is pretty much um, locked in. So you had to get really creative in, in uh, being able to get more out of that facility and the footprint that we have. So enhanced visual management, team engagement, several layout changes. Uh, like I said, uh, this improves the material flow. And um, just as an aside, I say flow about every other sentence because uh, so I'm kind of <laughs> known for that. Uh, one, one of the teams in Alabama got me a, 
a Flowmaster shirt. It's uh, <laughs> nice. an exhaust manufacturer, so I have to wear that when I go down there. So layout changes, uh, addition of mechanical, electrical uh, improvements. And on the technology side, we've added um, now going on three protrusion machines or double protrusion machines um, that gives us, eliminates process variation that could cause scrap. It's also allowed us um, uh, to further invest in the business and, and enabled us to grow the business almost 25% in that footprint. More importantly, I think in Newberry is that they've really become a stronger team. They're all aligned in the same direction, be it uh, quality, uh, productivity, 80-20. Um, the, teams, the teams are bringing forward uh, ideas and concerns to improve safety, productivity, quality. Um, we've had several uh, uh, leadership opportunities for people. So people development, you know, not only for Newberry, but for other parts of our organization. And that's hugely important for us. So we're at the point now where we've, we've, uh, we've maxed out Newberry very effectively, and we've been able to gain a lot of uh, market share in the cross-arm business, and we're actually looking to either expand that facility or look for another facility to continue to grow that business. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, last but not least, we haven't touched on uh, York, which is our insulator solutions facility. We also make arresters, cutouts there as well. So what should we expect to see out of that particular location in this year? Okay. Yeah, good question. Yeah, York is another, um, I'll call it a, a very good success story over the last couple of years. Um, uh, York was recently awarded the ISO 45001, which is an international certificate for quality environmental and safety management excellence. And they're the first in our company to achieve that level of, uh, of certification. So um, that goes a long way and has really set the bar. Uh, it's very stringent um, requirements in those areas, quality, environmental, and safety. And uh, you know, as I mentioned in SPQDC, safety is absolutely number one. So it's an outstanding achievement, and it really prepares the the York operation for uh, for growth, both internationally and domestically. It's really a testament to the improvements that they've made in safety and quality. Um, in the past two years, we've made significant capital investment in York uh, and continuous improvement focus placed on capacity and throughput increases. This has also been timely as uh, we've been experiencing record demand from our industry partners for all of our products due to our, to our sales team just knocking it out of the park. <laughs> but, there, but really the results of the efforts has been a rapid increase in daily production volume across all product lines. As you mentioned, cutouts, arresters, substation, distribution, transmission insulators to meet a historically high demand. The management team that we're building there is high-performing culture. Uh, very similar, we just talked about with, with Newberry and Trenton and, and also in Alabama. Um, it's, so it's meeting this demand with that with a foundation of safety and quality. So that, that's very important to us. Um, they're aggressively recruiting new team members to join the, the York team. So you can feel it, as you said, when you go through the, through the plants, the, you can feel the energy in the plant. So um, this coming year, uh, we're going to be looking forward to uh, York achieving a third straight year of record uh, sales. Um, the future is certainly bright with York. They've got a relatively new management team, and they're just driving culture change and safety and productivity, and, and that can only be good for uh, not only for our customers as well as our employees. Uh, I remember a few years back um, speaking with uh, one of the uh, leaders of the company talking about the difference between a heads-up facility and not, uh, and I've noticed a lot lately when we've gone to these different plants that – most of them have become heads-up facilities at this point where 
you can really tell that the employees feel uh, engaged. That's really great there. What, what, it, what specifically have we been doing at specific plants to encourage employee engagement? It's, it's an interesting point because um, really none of this, none of the, uh, the success or the growth of the facility can happen without the people that are actually making the parts. And so, you know, changing our culture and focus on recognizing that that person doing the job is the expert in what they do. So, like I just talked about with Newberry, and this is occurring in all of our locations, is, is kind of developing the team. It, it, it unleashes probably the most underutilized asset in any business, actually, is people. You know, if the product that we're making in a lot of cases is um, uh, is just mechanical processes and things. So if you want people to just make widgets all day um, then and, and not tap into that, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. So as we continue down this journey of, uh, like uh, Steve Scharnhorst, our president, likes to say, is the, the key to all of this is winning the hearts and minds of the people. The people that do it every day, they'll, they'll tell you what you need to do to improve. They see it every day. They live with it. So our role as uh, managers and supervisors is to support them however we can. So we provide kind of the structure around um, how we operate. Is, is it all in place? Now, it, it's always a, it's a continuous journey, um, if you will. But, but I think we, we're starting to really recognize as a company the value in that. And, and uh, success breeds success, and it, it becomes very exciting. Now you have people, um, especially, as you mentioned, you know, very difficult to find and retain people in this environment. But if you like what you're doing, um, you look forward to coming there every day. So um, that's our challenge, and that's also the direction and some of the successes that we're talking about. So we've talked a lot about uh, anticipated plans for 2022. What makes you the most excited for 2022? With the 80-20 principle, if you will, and and continuing to see that take hold, because it's very difficult for a lot of people in in the power business to change the way they think and to change the roles uh, that they play. But when you taste it and you can see it, it all starts making sense. You know, I'd say, you know, uh, in our storm performance um, is is a good reflection and something that we we highly value. Um, and, and certainly our customers' expectations are very high during storm. We take that seriously. You know, we call ourselves the guardians of the grid because when people are without a po- without power, our people jump in across the board. You know, I know I, I was down in Alabama during um, um, the storms this year, and uh, they you know they've got relatives and family in Louisiana and areas that are affected by this, so it hits home um, with all of us, and they, they know that um, that getting people's power back and what they do makes a difference. So as we prepare and, and go into the storm season, 8020 allows us to have those, you know, the, the parts that are most important to storm available, not only available, but also being produced uh, on a level schedule that uh, so that we can continue to support whatever comes our way. And I think it's shown in the last couple of years of uh, supplying storm that we've really improved our performance there. And that's testament to, to what we're doing and reducing the complexity of the business and all the things we talked about. Um, so to me, that, that's extremely exciting. As an ops guy um, and a Toyota trained guy, this is where that lean meets reality in, in a very uh, exciting way. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Appreciate your time today. Uh, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Thanks again to our guest today. For more information on our products and services, please visit www.mclanepower.com.